Another huge game this weekend at the North Shore as the Pitt Panthers will open up a big stretch of their schedule uh, as they host the Tennessee Volunteers over on the North Shore. Hello, this is Mike Vakovkan along with my tag team partner. We're both in the, <laughs> we're, we're going to keep it to the uh, tag team partner, uh, Mike Osti. Uh, we're going to introduce a new show. Mike, for the last year or so, Mike and I have been uh, on and off doing a show, uh, Mike and Mike, Mike'd up. Yeah. It, yeah. But we're gonna, uh, uh, change things up a little bit. Uh, today, we're going to introduce the pit stop. Um, Makes and, sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, as you imagine, we're going to do a deal a lot with Pitt. Uh, we're right. not going to keep it strictly to Pitt, but uh, I would say a great majority of the show will be Pitt, and uh, we're going to have some changes, uh, a little bit of changes. And uh, I'm glad you're going to be joining me, uh, Mike. And uh, yeah. this should be fun for what should be a good uh, year for the Pitt Panthers. Absolutely, yeah. It's a big year off of what happened last year, and then you have Mike and Mike together. That's an iconic name in in sports media and in sports talk. So why not do it here for this market? And yeah, I, I'm I'm excited and, and ready to go. Last Thursday, a week ago, uh, you and I were both over at uh, Acrisure Stadium for yep. that game. Uh, I, I actually haven't talked to you just about your personal thoughts on it. I've been to a lot of games over at uh, Heinz Field, Acrisure Stadium, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Uh, you know, I, th I think a lot of times when people talk about atmosphere and stuff and crowds, sometimes they might exaggerate it a little bit uh, to make it sound a little bit better <laughs> than, it, than it was or bigger sure. than it was because they were there. Yeah. But I, I don't think that we could exaggerate. Uh, you know, we've been into a lot of games over at Pitt where the atmosphere is like at a funeral. Um and even some other games that were big and like the Clemson game last year, I think, I think the crowd was good, uh, really good, but I don't right. think it was great. Yeah. Uh, last Thursday against West Virginia, I think it was off the charts from the minute I walked into the parking lot uh, to the minute of walking out to go to my 100%. car, hearing fans <laughs> in the stadium, uh, yeah let's go pit or whatever they were saying about West Virginia. Would you, uh, uh, do you agree? hundred percent. And I will say that it's very difficult in sports when you have a game that's really hyped. And this game has been hyped for years on both sides to actually deliver on right. the hype. And it wasn't just the fan atmosphere. It wasn't just the crowd inside the stadium. It wasn't just the experience of fans, media players, former players, notable figures on both sides as well. It was even the gameplay. And these are two teams that had a lot of question marks entering the season. Pitt, of course, new QB, new offensive coordinator, same for WVU. And yet it was a close game. There eventually were big plays. <laughs> there were a lot of big moments in the game and a rowdy crowd all the way through. And it, it was a situation where you had a great college football atmosphere. We'll see what it'll be next year in Morgantown. That's more of a traditional college town than, than Pittsburgh, obviously, playing at a pro stadium. But wall to wall. There, I actually, before when I was in the press box for the game, I met a friend of mine in his tailgate before getting in the press box, and they were tailgating over near PNC Park when they told me where they were going. And I wanted to see these guys, but I considered not because EJ hooked me up in the garage right near the stadium, but I walked two miles to see them. That's how far the tailgating was going. So it was two miles of tailgating, and I actually will give DAP to both sides on this. I didn't see any fights. I didn't see anything burned. I didn't see any debauchery. It was 
jawing back and forth in a college atmosphere, but done in a reasonable manner that doesn't ruin the city and, and ruin this game happening again. And all the way through and And really when you heard sweet Caroline play in the, between the third and fourth, I heard let's go pit from the press box. That was the loudest I've ever heard. Let's go pit because they wanted that heard. I know there were things that were also heard in other segments of the, of the stadium, but I heard let's go pit pretty freaking loud. And I don't think there's anything to be disappointed by in, in terms yeah. of everything you could want from a college football game. You have the attendance record that beat Pitt Penn state and Mike, I've covered Steeler games for years. I've covered a Steelers home playoff game, even though yeah. it's been a while since they had a playoff game at home. That was the best atmosphere, again, on both sides for a game I've ever been to there as a fan or member of media. I'm not sure it'll even be topped next year, certainly two years from now in Pittsburgh. Yeah. That was 10 years in the making. And it was, it was, better, just it was better than Pitt. It was better than Pitt Penn State. I was there when they first. Started. I wasn't at that one, but I heard yeah, that. When, I, when they did the rivalry back, uh, whenever it was the first time before they played, uh, you know, three or four years in a row, whatever it was, right. uh, I was there and that was pretty good. This was, this, this was uh, special and it was funny. hundred uh, percent. I had, uh, I have season tickets now and uh, my son Luke and I went, uh, went with uh, another friend of mine and I, we just told them in the car and the, the, the two kids <laughs> Uh, you made a good point how the fans actually behaved because I we we both you don't told, know right going in yeah we both told our eleven year olds guys this is this is serious business here with these fans right. do not look at anybody wrong keep your head straight and yeah don't be yelling to you right. keep it down just keep walking because I had no idea what to expect uh, right. people may be drinking since two o'clock yeah. <laughs> uh, but credit to everybody. I, I think uh, they, they hand even after the game, there was yeah playful uh, back and forth, but I saw no fights or everything. So it was good. But the question is, can Pitt keep it going again this week? Uh, you know, that's the test. That's right. the test of a good program. Not only, you know, I talk about, uh, I, I, we've referenced a lot and uh, people have referenced a lot. Pat Narduzzi is in the process of trying to make Pitt uh, a program, yeah. uh, a really good program. Not, not just a, one season, but not just one it team. On. And that yeah. that goes for the fans this week. This goes for the fans, too. It was nice yeah. they showed up for West Virginia. Are they going to show up against uh, Tennessee this week and, you know, be as impressive? Uh, they're not going to obviously be as impressive as the West Virginia game. Right. But they also can't have a crowd this week of below 40,000. If they do, it, it's, uh, you know, I'll say same old pit. It's same old pit fans, too. Yeah. No reason. It's, it's going to be a great afternoon. Pitt's a top 20 team. They're going to be playing a very good SEC program. Uh, there's no reason for that stadium not to be, uh, you know, I'm not going to say filled because that's not going to happen. But, uh, to be to have a very good home uh, court advantage. Yeah, th there's there's no reason why, and this also is a big statement the fan base needs to make because I think everyone can agree that game against WVU, the rebirth of the backyard brawl, was the rowdiest atmosphere Pitt fans have had maybe ever. Certainly since going into 
what was Heinz and now is Acushore Stadium. But the whole debate prior to the backyard brawl was how many WVU fans will be there. A lot of West Virginia fans in Pittsburgh. It's only 70 miles down south, etc. I will say it was about 80% Pitt, maybe 20% WVU. There are a lot of fans from West Virginia on the road. But it was a, it was a large majority Pitt fans. The whole 75-25 thing for ESPN, that wasn't true and that never was going to be. But if Pitt doesn't show up for this game against Tennessee and they got lower than 40K, it's not rowdy. Anyone who's there doesn't feel the same vibe. And you don't have to reach the level of the brawl. We get that because you're not going to have opposing fans also being rowdy. It won't feel the same. But that same conversation when week goes all going to come back and people are going to say, well, yeah, we're West Virginia and we did help you make that stadium rowdy. If Pitt fans don't want to hear that anymore, and I'm even annoyed by it and I'm not necessarily a, a Pitt alum, I would get down there, get down there to the game, make it a rowdy atmosphere, do whatever you can. And, and yeah, this is a statement, not just for the team, but for the fan base, for the program that it wasn't just Kenny Pickett in a, in a Cinderella story and a great season. It's building the program up. So that's what recruits want to see. That's how you compete against West Virginia and other teams that are close to you locally for those kids. And you gotta, you're not going to always have the brawl. You might not even always have it at like Notre Dame or if they play Clemson at home. Tennessee's not a, it's a, it's an out of conference team and it's not really a rival, even though there's history there, but you got to bring it as much as you can, because as we've talked about before on other shows, if Pitt does win it, even though they were a little sluggish early against WBU, that could be an argument for a top 10 team. And that could be an argument for stepping up this program above where it even was last year with some predictions of playoff, etc. before this season. I do see we have a guest coming, by the way, to this show. Yeah, case. well, we're gonna let's introduce here in a, uh, Nick and a little bit. I want to talk about one other thing before we bring sure. uh, Nick in. Is sure. uh, this is such a uh, you know, and I I know Nick will be able to um, uh, concur on this. This is such a big game for Pitt in so many different areas, both on and off the field. Yep, um, on the field you win this game and there's a really good chance when you look at their schedule, if Pitt starts out the season six and zero, because after this, they play Western Michigan, although I don't like going to a Mac team in the <laughs> evening on a Saturday night, but after that, then they have Rhode Island, Georgia tech and Virginia tech. I think Pitt wins all those games. I think they start out six and zero. And if you start out six and zero, uh, yeah, you can't ignore them. With, with the way Pitt, with, with the way things are in college football, where they are right now at number 17, yeah, they they will be inside the if Pitt starts out six and zero, they'll be inside the top ten. Yeah, other teams will probably lose, other even though you have some weak games in there. You're in a major conference. Right. You will have a win over Tennessee that everyone loves. WVU. It depends on what they do. They probably do need to root for the Mountaineers to be better throughout the season. But yeah, you can't ignore it. You will not be able to ignore it. Yeah, right. they, they six and zero. You're you're pretty much guaranteed uh, unless Pitt completely. Uh, you know, craps the bed that right. that keeps you in the top 25 probably for all season. Because uh, even if you get inside the top 10, you could afford a slip up and they're yeah. not going to drop you. If Pitt loses to Tennessee this week, with the way the pollsters are right now, mm -hmm. I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they drop with the lack of respect I think they have for Pitt. It wouldn't shock me at all being at number 17 that they drop them completely out of the top 25. I wouldn't be surprised either, even though they should hang in there still, especially with where Tennessee is, because they're flirting with, with that ranking right there. And even though Pitt got some predictions by Desmond Howard and others for the playoff this year, there are some, and it's fair, that weren't really impressed by Pitt against West Virginia. They won. WVU's not a ranked team. They did beat the spread, and Pitt 
had the interception. They had different situations. They had the struggling early on. It's a new system, a new team a little bit as well. But I think they're going to, the voters would then say, you barely beat a team that's not ranked. They beat the spread against you. You then lose to an out-of-conference team. The rest of your schedule is not good for a month and a half. What are we going to do with you? 25th yeah. to probably not ranked. That is, that's why this is a gigantic deal. Absolutely. And the other reason it's a gigantic uh, deal is off the field, who they're going to be having. As I've been reporting all week, uh, we're going to have some more names uh, later tonight on Pittsburgh Sports Now. Yep. Pitt is going to have a who's who's list of recruits at the game. Um, they're going to have, as we've reported, they're going to have their top target, uh, five-star wide receiver, Hakeem Williams from Florida. Uh, he's a five-star receiver. That's all you need to say. They also have uh, the top wide receiver in the class of 2024, four-star kid, uh, Ryan Wingo from St. Louis, Missouri. The fact that Pitt is getting a recruit to come from St. Louis, Missouri for their game. He's the number one rated uh, receiver in 2024. They're also SEC country too. Yes. <laughs> the opponent you're playing is an SEC school. Yep. They're also having two other names. I'm going to throw three other names. Anthony Specka from Central Catholic, four-star uh, linebacker who's making another return to Pitt after visiting for the West Virginia game. They're having four-star defensive back Jacob Odom from Michigan. And this is the impressive one. Um, I had this in die, our diehard material the other day. They're having a uh, 2020, he's a sophomore wide receiver all the way from California to come to the game. And by the time he gets rated, he will be a four or five star wide receiver. His name's Marcus Harris. He's traveling in because of Taekwon Underwood, because of Pitt. He wants to come see Pitt. Those are three, four to five star receivers that will be in the stadium. Pitt needs to show up. They need to put on an impressive game. You, that's how you land Mm -hmm. premier recruits by when they're in the stadium putting on a show fans putting up the atmosphere uh so it's not an understatement to say that saturday is just a huge 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 game for Pitt, both on and off the field 100 100 you want to bring our guest in yeah. yep go ahead absolutely so we're going to welcome in nick fairbaugh you know his name you know his face of course with us in the sports now network his work over there at steelers now and even does some for us who are at Pittsburgh Sports Now. Nick, how you doing, man? Appreciate the time. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Um, obviously, lots to talk about here with this Pitt-Tennessee game. So many different levels to it. And it, it's an important game. I was listening to what you guys were talking about before I came in, and all of it kind of comes together. This is one of the more important games, if not the most important game uh, on the schedule when you just look at it from a view. First thing I want to ask you, Nick, is this, this is what it's sort of been a conversation piece. I know uh, the players, coaches were asked about it. I was a little bit shocked by it. Uh, and I and I'll, I'll use the word shock because I was um, the fact that Pitt is a seven point underdog uh, at home. I, yeah, at home, just all of that. The fact that they're which means that in the betting world, if you're a better um you know, you get three points when you're at home. So that really, that's like a 10-point spread. Yeah. The people in Vegas basically are saying or believing that Tennessee is going to uh, easily beat Pitt on Saturday. Or were, were you – what was your reaction when you saw that spread? Or you Were you surprised at all or no? Not really. Um, 
here's the thing that spread started out at about four and a half about a week ago it's only climbed where's the the money's coming in on tennessee like people are betting tennessee to cover it even reached up to seven and it's still climbing people think tennessee's gonna tennessee is gonna blow it out i mean that really? is what the expectation is um i have talked to many people nationally experts wise they think this game could be 42 21 42 17 ish i mean there's a disparity here in terms of how people view Pitt versus tennessee i think um and so i'm not surprised by it at all and Listen, Tennessee's kind of the kind of one of those teams that wasn't ranked, but I think everyone kind of was like, yeah, they could actually be like the sleeper team of the year that maybe wins that, that you know their division in the SEC. Maybe they're like the sleeper team, and you know the SEC. I don't want to call it SEC bias, but you know how much that is valued around Vegas, around the country, and everything like that. So no, yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised, especially when you have a quarterback like Hendon Hooker, who was so good last year. And again, and I think there's a, there's a reasoning to this too. A lot of people truly believe that if Hendon Hooker had started last year against Pitt, Pitt loses that game in Knoxville. So there's a lot of layers to this, but but I I, I do think Pitt's being a little disrespected. But I was not surprised by it. Let's start off since you dig deal. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say dig a little deeper because I, I was a little surprised just because Pitt's at home, kind of what Mike was saying. And Pitt is a ranked team coming off last year. To dig deeper for people that maybe. See Tennessee is a sexy pick, but honestly, Nick, as you know, they've been kind of that sexy sleeper pick for like three or four years now. It's been over 20 years before the programs really got back to glory. It is a gauntlet schedule in the SEC. It's hard to really slurp the Kool-Aid and buy Tennessee when I don't got an example of them doing what you're saying since Philip Fulmer, basically. So why is this year different? Why should a Pitt fan that's rolling their eyes saying there's no way we're losing by seven or ten points? We were better last year. We're better this year. I get the WVU game, but they're barely ranked. I'm not slurping a Kool-Aid. What X's and O's wise to dig a little deeper makes you actually buy more into Tennessee this year to be scared of this matchup for Pitt? Because I also saw your tweet talking about how Tennessee can slash Pitt up and down the field, and West Virginia even had some success running a little bit. Why do you why do you feel this way? Why is this a bad trap game for Pitt or maybe a game that people should expect nationally Tennessee to win clearly? Yeah, well, look at Tennessee was seven and six last year, right? But look at who their losses were to. I mean, we're talking about Georgia, Alabama, obviously Pitt, who was the eventual ACC champions. I mean, we're talking about the cream of the crop in the SEC last year. Now they That's had true. A, they, they did have a collapse at the end of the year where they lost to Florida, Ole Miss. Um, but Ole Miss wasn't pet at all last year either. Matt Corral was on that team. Um, so they lost to a lot of good yep. teams, and they were competitive with a lot of top-tier teams. Um, so this is a team as well that has a new regime, essentially. Josh Heupel <laughs> is only in his second year, and they look better this year. Um, that's by all indications from what I've heard. Um, and, and here's the thing. I think the difference in everything that they have now is they have a quarterback. Hendon Hooker is a okay. legit stud um both with his legs and through the air i think there's this uh misconception with hendon hooker that he can't throw um he is a very good thrower and down the field too he's about two percentage points higher than national average in terms of his on target percentage and completion percentage and 20 yards uh, or more throws so there's a lot to buy in for but i think it's that hypo is is getting a vision here and i think that hooker i, I think hendon hooker is such the selling point because he, he's a legit quarterback, and you can make an argument for him legitimately being a one of the best quarterbacks in that conference, which is saying a lot when you have guys like Bryce Young and Will Levis and Anthony Richardson and 
So then this is as big of a game for them as well then. I mean, they, yes. they, they, they lose this game and Pitt covers the spread and beats them by a touchdown or so. Everything you're saying nationally, people are going to go, well, Mike Osti was right. It's the same old Tennessee. Exactly. They got to prove it here too. And, and here's the thing. Hooker is a really good quarterback, but there's questions on this Tennessee team too. I, I do think that people are – I like Tennessee – Right. I don't like them enough to say this is going to be a blowout or anything. Okay. I, I truly believe this is going to be a, a close game. This is going to be a game that I think is decided by inches. We're going to see a very similar game to that in, in terms of the theatrics to the West Virginia game, in my opinion. I think this one is going to be very similar to last year where it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. I don't believe in that Tennessee defense. Um, I, I still think that that Tennessee defense has a lot of weaknesses, especially – at the secondary, I don't believe in that secondary. Um, the offensive line is fine, but also Pitt dominated them last year. And a lot of the same names are back. Um, I like their their weapons group, but again, this is a team that is talented, has SEC caliber athletes, but people do act like these two teams are on different planets. I don't think <laughs> it is a very good football team. And if you think that Pitt coming in is some like dramatic upset and winning this game, like this is to me is is about a teeter totter game. Maybe you put it 54, 55, 54 in favor of maybe Tennessee, but I think people are acting like it's 90 10 or this is about as sure of a thing. And trust me when I say this, I think Pitt has a very decent chance to go in here and shock a few people then. Question, question, Nick. Uh, how, how big of it? It, or I guess it may be a uh, two-part question here. We can get through some questions here quick. Um, the fact that Pitt has already faced uh, Hooker three times already, twice at Virginia Tech last season, how much is that is going to benefit uh, Pat Narduzzi, Randy Bates? And the other thing is, how is the best way, and you know, you're a guy that breaks down film as well as anybody, what's the best way to, uh, as far as Pitt to be able to defense him? Yeah, um, well, it's going to help, first of all. Um, I, I think Hendon Hooker is a quarterback that they know very well. Now, he's gotten better, of course, since his time at Virginia Tech, but they know how this guy works. They, they know the mechanics of how he ticks. Um, so that's going to help a lot. It's also, though, conversely, I will say that will help Hendon Hooker, too. Um, that will help him. He knows how Pat Narduzzi and his defense works. So it, it's a positive for both sides, um, but Pitt's going to know – how to defend Hendon Hooker, and, and what's the way to do that? Here's the thing. Tennessee can attack you at all three levels. They can run the football. They are a dynamic offense, so it's not like a one-trick pony type offense here. Pitt can't sell out just to stop the deep ball, for example. They have to sell out to stop the horizontal stuff. Last week, they ran a ton of horizontal stuff. We're talking drags. Um, we're talking slants, stuff like that. Um, they got to tackle well, and this is why I, I say this. Um, you look at what they did last year against Pitt, and it was all screens, swing passes, uh, quarterback draws. A lot of the big plays were actually Hendon Hooker kind of just breaking down jail plays and weaving in and out. I think what the biggest thing that Pitt has to do is they have to blitz him. And Hendon Hooker can beat the blitz, but he is not as cool and calm under the blitz. And what that means is tackle well in the backfield, <laughs> Uh, don't miss easy sacks and, and then hookers scampers for 25 yards on third and 17. If you remember last year, that's what happened on one play. They had him dead right. to rights. He broke away from three people, broke two more tackles, got a third and 17 conversion, and then they went down and scored a touchdown. And that's what 
kind of led to everything in the third and the fourth quarter. Pitt seemingly had that game under wraps at that point. Um, so Pitt's got to tackle better. They got to make sure Hendon Hooker can't escape the pocket so they have, <laughs> have lane discipline. And I think they need to blitz a lot. Um, I really do. They blitzed 46% of the time last week. I think that's going to be over 50% this week. I, I truly believe that. Their blitz rate is going to be crazy this week. Um, they're going to need Servassier Dennis to be a big factor uh, at that second level. They're going to need John Morgan, Kalash Kansi, all these guys to come up. On the on the back end, I would like to see them use that Delta package a lot more this week just because of how they spread out Pitt's defense. So I'd like to see them bring in that 50 B and keep Dennis and Simon on the field. Um, and, and, and bring in maybe a P.J. O'Brien or a Javon McIntyre, Rashad Battle, whoever they bring in uh, in that Delta package, because I think that's going to be a key thing. Uh, to, to slowing down the receivers enough to where Pitt's defensive linemen can really disrupt what's going on up front. We've talked about Hooker. Um, let's uh, talk about Pitt's quarterback, uh, uh, Keaton Slovis. How would you evaluate? Obviously, the quarterback is always the position that fans, media are going to focus on. I thought he played okay. I I think anytime you throw the ball for 300 yards, I don't care what the you have to play okay to throw for 300 yards. It's not a uh, you know it's not a sign that he played great. I don't I don't believe he played as Mike Tomlin would say below the line. Um, You know, I I think it was a team effort. I I think line struggling. How would you uh, uh, categorize or how would you describe uh, Slovis's first uh, performance at Pitt? Yeah, roller coaster ride um, at that. Um, I-, I thought his pocket management it was his biggest issue all night. Um, five sacks, but that doesn't really tell the story of the offensive line. I think the offensive I was going to say, yeah, fine. the O line you got to go to, too. I-, I think the O line was fine. I- I'm going to be okay. real with you. I-, really? I thought they were fine. Aside from um, Matt Gonsalves, who really struggled in that game. Uh, I think Mac and Salvez had trouble uh, blocking on that right side, and I think he kind of hurt Keaton Slovis a lot. Uh, and then once Branson Taylor came in, you saw a, a switch, and that was obviously on that game-tying drive where Keaton Slovis methodically marched Pitt down the field 92 right. yards and six plays. Um, so I think you saw a difference in his level of comfortability when that right side wasn't collapsing and moving as much. Um, with the guy like Branson Taylor in there. But I think his pocket management is what he needs to improve the most. He can't be sliding out to the right for no reason. Um, he's got to trust his running back to pick up a blitz. He has to do that. That's one thing that I've noticed he doesn't trust. He doesn't trust the running back to pick up a free blitzer. Uh, and Izzy Abanikando got credited for two sacks allowed because of that. And he had his guy picked up, so it wasn't his fault. Yeah. Um, three of the five sacks, I think, were on slopes. So that needs to get better. I think accuracy-wise, I think he was pretty accurate. The only bad accuracy miss I can think of is obviously that play, first play of the second half, missing Kanadi and Mumfield on that deep ball. But outside of that, I thought he was pretty accurate. I thought he was pretty cool, calm, and collected. Um, I like that he came up in the clutch circumstances. Uh, I think that that's, there's something to be said about coming up when it's tough. When he was struggling, quite honestly, middle of that third quarter, it was the worst he had looked all game. He ran into two straight sacks. It was bad. And then he comes back out and drives them down the field 92 yards yeah. methodically. Um, I thought that was very, very, very good to see from him. It's kind of a response thing. Uh, he, he, he needs to learn how to get hot, too. Um, Get his hot route. Uh, when the blitz is coming, hit the guy that's underneath. 
learned to take the check down. I think you saw that a little bit uh, as the game went on. Obviously, Izzy Abanikandis check down. That was a hot route. That was not he, – he was getting blitzed, and Abanikini was right there. So I think he's learning. I think him and Frank Signetti are kind of learning each other, and, and I think you're going to see a more spread out version of the game plan uh, this week. It is only one game. And I think it is big also to have a big clutch moment with a new team, a new system, getting familiar with players, but maybe not trusting the running backs, et cetera. It's a new team. It's a new environment. You are building chemistry, camp, practice, working together, being friends, throwing balls in the yard. Not going to be the same thing as the backyard brawl against West Virginia and gameplay. So I do think he played, what, only six incompletions? I do think he played really well overall considering the circumstances. And you also got to figure with – you know, West Virginia has warts, but defensive line wide with stills coming at you, that might be a strength of that team. So it might be the hardest D line he has to face, maybe even tougher than this matchup as well. Mike, anything else for Nick here before we let yeah, you I just want to, one more thing I wanted to ask, uh, how do you, how, how do you suspect Frank Signetti will uh, look to attack Tennessee? Uh, and do you think he held anything? I don't think uh, maybe some, do you think he held anything back uh, just to keep something, keep something surprise for Tennessee and you know, how, what, what do you believe the best way to attack uh, uh, this Tennessee defense will be? Yeah. Um, I don't think he held anything back. I think he thought that they were going to bully West Virginia up front and that just didn't happen. Um, Dante still completely wrecked their game plan. And I mean, it. He, he, he single-handedly kind of destroyed that seven O-line set. Um, and, and the plan was to obviously just take the pressure off Keaton Slovis make it a little easier on him, and then the brunt ended up on Keaton Slovis. But I think you saw more and more how much more comfortable Keaton Slovis is. I don't even want to say from shotgun. He is comfortable in shotgun. But even under center, when the, when the sets are spread out wider, he has more wide receivers to work with. So even going under center, maybe not bringing in seven O-linemen, just make it three wide receivers instead. Uh, and, and, and trust your wide receivers because you have big wide receivers. I mean, Bub Means, Jared Wayne, and Jared and Jane Bradley are all 6'2 plus, so they have size. Let them block a little bit uh, and trust your guys to, if you're going to run a game, run it more of a, as a spread out scheme. This is what they're going to do this week, in my opinion. More shotgun. I could even see them bringing out the pistol in this game. Uh, I, I could see them with no, with potentially no Rodney Hammond in this game. I could see Daniel Carter taking on like an H-back role almost that could be as, big. Like, as like that compliment yeah. to Gavin Bartholomew. Um, I think he could be used in a lot of different ways. Um, my thing is Tennessee runs a lot of soft cover for, so they play in quarters, and so they're going to play back a lot. So what does that mean? Where are the money throws? It's the intermediate stuff. It's basically the stuff Keaton Slovis looked at his best with against West Virginia and, and has always looked at his best with. That 10- to 15-yard area, Keaton Slovis was 8 for 8 against West Virginia, eight for eight in that game. Uh, he is 100% primed and ready for that area of the field. I think Pitt's going to dial a play action a lot and try to hit middle of the field routes. I think they're going to work up the seam. I think Gavin Bartholomew is a huge part of the game plan over the middle of the field. I think guys like Jared Wayne, Kanade Mumfield, those guys are going to be big parts, but it's going to have to hit curl routes, over routes, stuff like this over the middle of the field. That's how you attack and exploit this Tennessee defense, and that's what I think they're going to end up doing uh, in this game because, quite honestly, that is the way each team has moved up and down the field on Tennessee in the past, and they quite honestly haven't okay. figured out how to fix it yet. Okay. Nick, Nick Farabaugh, throughout our Sports Now Network, Steelers Now, Pittsburgh Sports Now, myriad of other locations, hosts 
Pitt on Locked On. So Locked On Pitt. Thanks, man. We'll definitely be talking to you again soon, I'm sure. Absolutely. Again, that was Nick Faribault. I will close him out with... You like that? Some some segue music we have got going on there. Yeah. Hey, Mike, let's close out the show. Our first uh, first edition here of the pit stop. Uh, we're yep. gonna let's talk about uh, the th- big games this weekend. Uh, let's just give real quick uh, predictions with the spread uh, for our betting friends out there. Uh, <laughs> yep. I'll ask you first, then I'll give mine. Uh, we'll touch upon the two, uh, I guess, quote local teams, and then the. Uh, We'll pick one big college game of the week. So uh, let's go first with you. Penn State is 25 and a half point favorites <laughs> over Ohio U. Lord. Uh, do you, uh, you take the points if you're Ohio or do you give them? Man, man. And we just saw Penn State last week against Purdue. And granted, that's a, that's a power five. But boy, whew, that's a lot of points. I'm, I'm going to say Penn State wins and wins comfortably, but not by that much. That's a I lot. Agree. And, I, and I, I just can't be that impressed by Penn State last week. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I would take the 20, uh, 25, 26 points. I think uh, Ohio struggled last year, but they do have a little bit of a veteran quarterback in yeah. Rourke. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll do the backdoor cover or whatever. When's the but, last time Penn State beat anybody by 30? I, I can't yeah, even remember. Right. That's uh, – that is a lot, lot of points. Uh, <laughs> right. The big local game or the big national game is uh, Alabama going on the road at Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alabama is 20-point favorites over Texas, who has a lot of talent. They might have the best running back in the country. They have a couple they of wide receivers. Question yeah. might be the uh, true freshman quarterback trying to go – Ewers going up against – a Nick Saban defense, but uh, 20 points, Alabama's favor. Where do you go? So I'm going to caveat this by saying, number one, I don't believe Texas is back, no matter how much they want to say. Number two, I wouldn't bet this with your money, Mike. (laughs) And number three, I will take the points in Tennessee to cover just because that's 20-plus. It's a big-time game. They're going to get up for it, obviously. It could mean a lot. If they want to say they're back, you do this and even hang with Bama, even if you lose by 10 you're going to be something that's just like Notre Dame against Ohio State. Notre Dame left that game losing by 11 with people saying, oh, the Irish are here because they played well. That could be like Texas if they keep it close. But Bama is ridiculously good, ridiculously good. So that's why that they didn't even play anybody of note, and they're still getting one vote because of how good and dominating they are. Saban, you know, is going to want to run up that score and dominate a team, especially a team coming in the SEC that hadn't been there before. He's going to want to make a statement saying, you come here, we're going to beat you up. So I wouldn't want to bet this, but 20 points is a lot. I would uh, I would take uh, Nick Saban in Alabama. I think okay. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they win by 20. Yeah, I think they'll beat the hell out of the freshman quarterback. Uh, I think that Texas, oh. I think you made a good point there with – uh, all right, Texas, you want to come to the SEC next year? Here's yeah. what, uh, here, here, here's, a, here's a little bit of what you're going to get. And Saban's be- telling him now he knows that he wants it. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's move to uh, your wheelhouse a little bit. West Virginia, their home opener, 6 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. Uh, conference game, Big 12 game, 13-point uh, favorites over Kansas, who's obviously uh, probably one of the worst Power 5 uh, programs in all of uh, – College football. Uh, yeah. If you go to the store, I was actually think I was thinking about doing a 
poll on that. I was going to go back and look. But uh, they have to be in the top five. Um, where do you go? Uh, West Virginia was impressive last week. Uh, we don't know the situation with a couple of the defensive backs. They look like they got themselves a quarterback. Uh, offense looked good. Uh, where do you go with the 13? Yeah, and West Virginia played well against Pitt despite the controversy, and maybe they should have won with that pick at the end. But they were heavily underdog, and they did play well. I think West Virginia is going to cover that spread of 13. Again, it, this is Kansas. This is a, a lower-level program in the conference, with the exception of that Orange Bowl year years ago, the only thing that would argue against you saying one of the worst power fives. The Kansas doesn't usually compete. This was 16 and a half as recent as 24 hours ago, though, by Mike. So if it was 16 and a half, I would consider taking Kansas in the points because WVU doesn't really win that big. But if Neil Brown's going to sell a climb, you got to beat up on these teams. You got to show it against these teams, even if you lose to Pitt and Virginia Tech, et cetera. I do think they'll cover this if it stays 13. I do think JT will take his game to another level. They're opening up a little bit more at the air raid. I do think they show what they can do, but. With Charles Woods out, maybe Kansas can pick them apart because that's a big hit to the defense. I will have coverage at WV Sports now, and, and we'll be there in attendance. So head over there if you happen to, to be a WV fan uh, watching, and we do have that coverage throughout the Sports Now Network. Yeah, I, I think West Virginia wins. Uh, I would, if I had to lay my own money, I would take uh, West Virginia minus the 13. Right. Uh, what I'd be more comfortable with is the over at 59 and a half, I think. Uh, I think that sure. over- I think that overall hit. I think both teams will score yeah. uh, enough points. I think that'll be good. Two uh, two real quick ones here. Our game of the uh, day for uh, Pittsburgh sports now, obviously. Tennessee, six-point favorites. The latest line I'm looking on the score app here. Uh, six-point favorites over Pitt. Where do you go? Wow. If that was still 10 or so, I definitely would take Pitt in the points. That's almost saying who you think is going to win this game. I'm going to take Tennessee to win this game and cover that. Barely. I think this will be a really, really close game. I would not be shocked at all if Pitt won this game. But Pitt, they'd have to look a little different and better than that WU game. And maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, maybe Nick convinced me a little bit on Tennessee. I don't know. But if it was 10, I would say Pitt would 100% cover, maybe even seven or seven and a half. I'm going to say Tennessee wins by at least a field goal or so, by at least a couple field goals in that touchdown. But that's another one I would not want to bet. I would not be betting this game. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet it. But if I did bet it, um, Pitt fans aren't going to like what I have to say here. But I thought it was just going to be me. They were going to no, hate on me because I'm not the Pitt guy. So no, I'm going to no, no, I'm, I'm go. I'm going to. I'm going to say Pitt's going to struggle a little bit defensively again. I, okay. I, I just think with this type of quarterback, uh, and Vegas just doesn't. I, I talked to a guy that. Uh, in uh, another lifetime ago, of yeah, mine. Uh, they usually do hit. Yeah, one yeah. of my gambling buddies. Uh, I, I asked him, "What do you make of that?" He said, "What he said, what I make of it is Vegas doesn't when they set a spread like that. As far as Pitt being at home and still being a touchdown favorite, they think that Tennessee is going to uh, kick the hell out of Pitt. So I'm I'm going to go with what Vegas thinks because that's oh, why probably. they have uh, uh, palaces out there and yeah." Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it will be a close game. I think there'll be a lot of points, but I, I, I think Hooker and the, the weapons at West Virginia, I think what, uh, Pitt's secondary is going to be tested. I'm not going to say they can't win, but I, I think uh, we're going to find out a lot about Pitt's uh, secondary. And what they're obviously going to have to do is the pass rush is going to have to help them out. They're going to have to get to, as Nick said, uh, blitz, 
uh, Hooker a lot, but they need to get home. They can't just blitz. They got to get there. And yeah. we'll see if they can force him some turnovers. But uh, I'm going to say Pitt goes down here uh, in this okay. game. We'll see. And last game is uh, definitely want to keep coverage on the uh, Steelers Now Network. Speaking of six, Cincinnati is six-point favorites over the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. I'll give my pick. I think uh, I think the Bengals win this game comfortably. I do think the Bengals win and cover that spread, but that's another game I don't know if I want to bet just because I, the Bengals are better than the Steelers, but I don't. I think they could regress a little bit to the mean from what they were last year. I do think Joe Burrow's the, the real deal, though. This will be another year of a full season after his rookie year wasn't that. They just are a more balanced they have the chemistry that maybe the Steelers don't have because you're implementing Mitch Trubisky and they are just off and off season they hadn't done it together as a game throughout a game the Bengals have everything you kind of want and and they're going to be just as hungry for this as the Steelers are this is flipping the script of normalcy the Steelers now are hunting the Bengals the Bengals are the hunted that that, that just sounds nuts for the Bengals but I do think they're going to cover it I don't think it's going to be some type of 14 plus point beatdown. Steelers schedules tough early on I think Mitch will play okay, but that's another game. I, I hate betting some of these games. These spreads make you really yeah. wince at trying to bet some of these games, but I do think the Bengals will do it. I'm going to go Bengals in, in terms of that spread. All right. Well, we'll keep track of this, but uh, all right, Mike, we got through one here. Yeah, we got through one. We had a great, we had a great guest though. It's going to be hard to top that too. Nick's a beast in terms of breaking Yeah, Yeah. Just, just let you out there know that uh, we are going to, we'll talk about the topics of the week. Uh, a lot of times we're going to talk about Pitt but that we're not going to necessarily uh, stick to that every week. We'll see what the topics are. Uh, we will also every week have a guest in the middle of the show, and uh, we'll close things out with uh, probably picks or whatever in the last segment. But uh, we appreciate you joining us for our first show here on the Pit Stop. And if you want to uh, be an advertiser on our show, uh, so I think starting next week, we've had a few people reach out. Uh, reach out to us on uh, direct message on Pittsburgh Sports Now or to me on my direct message. We can get you on as a sponsor. We will do uh, commercial breaks. We can do live reads, whatever you want to do here on the show. And that'll start up next week as things stand right now. This will be a one a week, once a week show. Who knows? Things always change. Maybe <laughs> we add more. But the plan is right now for it to be uh, every yep. week, probably every Thursday, uh, right before the game week. Yeah. So, uh uh, anything else, Mike? Last thing uh, before we close it out. No, no. I, I think we got a, a, a good tag team going here. Happy we're keeping it together in the midst of everything else we're doing uh, in our careers and in life. And yeah, come welcome to, we got a lot of space here. If you see around us here in the graphic there, plenty of room for sponsors or whatever. We can do a lot here. Thanks to the people at StreamYard. I'll give them their dap. So no, I, I think for week one, I think we got a victory just like, just like Pitt did. We'll see if the Steelers do. We'll see what happens. Uh, throughout the rest of the team there, uh, the groups. And um, again, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm not betting on some of these games right now. I'm not going to be betting on these games. I, with your money, I wouldn't be betting on some of these. I appreciate that because I have no money. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, that's it uh, for Mike Asti. This is Mike Vakovkan. We appreciate you joining us on the first edition of the Pit Stop here on Pittsburgh Sports Now.